It's obvious a bunch of Yankees who don't know what they're talking about prepared that event we had on the parking lot. That was not a barbecue. That was a, it was a cookout. <laughs> but I trust that they now have learned the difference and have repented. <laughs> we Okies know the difference. Well, last Thursday was Thanksgiving Day. And uh, Wednesday morning in my pre-dawn prayers as I was thanking God so much for the overwhelming blessings I have in my life. I don't think there's anybody in the world more blessed than I am. But in the midst of that, I was surprised that just suddenly it came upon me, thank God for the patience of God. Thank God for the patience of God. Before we said from this pulpit that throughout the world, this race and that race and this part of the world, that part of the world, everyone senses there must be more to this whole thing than what we can see. So there's some kind of a God. And some worship the God of the mountains. Some a particular star. One Native American tribe, the wolf. All of these, of course, are subjective conclusions of what God must be. But our Lord has blessed us in a marvelous way by giving us the Holy Bible, which is the objective revelation of God. If you want to learn about the character of God, read and meditate on this book. God is revealed chapter after chapter page after page, through narrative, through exhortation, through command. And one thing that Scripture highlights in so many ways is the wonderful patience of God. Second Peter 3.9 God is not slow concerning His promises as men count slowness, but He is patient toward us, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. And that word wishing in the Greek is bulamai. Bulamai means it was never his purpose, never his purpose. And so he is patient and patient and patient. Romans 9:22. what if God although willing to demonstrate his wrath and make his power known. Notice that willing to do it endured with much patience the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. Why did he do it? He did so in order that he might make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy which he prepared beforehand. Romans nine twenty two and following. And so as I began to meditate upon this subject, the Lord just led me to mentally rehearse the history of the human race. We think of the Garden of Eden. What an idyllic situation. <laughs> Everything was there, food for them. They really didn't have to do hardly anything except just kind of take care of it. 
But God said, every tree you may eat of, you can eat the vegetables, but leave one thing alone. This particular tree, I am designating it as a tree of knowledge and good and evil. Leave it alone, don't touch it. But one day, Satan came, you know the story well. He seduced Eve. He said, look at that tree. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that fruit beautiful? But God really didn't tell you to not eat of that tree. Oh, yes, he did. He said, don't even touch it. She exaggerated. God didn't say, don't even touch it. <laughs> and so as she looked at it, she saw it was beautiful to the eye. No doubt had a great flavor, and according to the devil, it'd make her like God. So something to make her wise, and she took and ate. And then her husband showed up. <laughs> What'd you do? Oh, this is marvelous. You ought to have some. And he ate. And the devil said, ha, ha, ha. I got him. Then God showed up. God showed up. Where are you, Adam? <laughs> he knew where he was. <laughs> we hid. We realized we're naked. God made them. It's interesting, the Geneva Bible says he made them britches. So that's called the britches Bible. <laughs> he made them just kind of something like, a, I suppose, a Scottish kilt, uh, an apron, something of that nature. But what was he going to do about the fact now that man had sinned and no longer was man godly, pure, the same character as God? He said to Satan, Genesis 3, 6, 15 is called the Protoevangelium, the first time the gospel is spoken of. He said to Satan, who is in the form of a serpent, the day will come when the seed of the woman will crush your head. In doing so, his heel will be bruised. We all know that happened on the cross. And then Adam and Eve, in God's patience, he could have said, that's it, I'm through with these people, bam, they're gone. But he didn't. In his patience, he allowed the human race to go on. In time, they had two sons, Cain and Abel. Abel was a man who had flocks and took flocks, and Cain was more of an agricultural man. And one day they brought offerings to God, and Cain's offering was rejected, Abel's was accepted. Why? Hebrews says, because Abel brought his in faith. Cain did not. What does that mean? I don't know. But for one reason or other, Cain's heart was wrong. Abel's was right. And then, because of that, Cain, in his anger, killed Abel. And God said to Cain, where's your brother? I don't know. I'm not my brother's keeper. And then you know the story. In time, Adam and Eve had another son named Seth. And you read in those chapters 4 and 5 of Genesis about the descendants of Cain. They were people of tremendous accomplishments. They built cities. They invented musical instruments. 
They had cattle, uh, on and on and on, things they achieved. They were very great and very accomplished and full of themselves. But the other son, Seth, was not so. When he was born, he had a son. And Genesis says, from that time on, men began to walk with God. And then it describes the lineage of Seth. They didn't accomplish anything like the descendants of Cain. They were just very humble people. And finally, one of their descendants was so holy that God didn't let him die. He took him to heaven. Hebrews says, you know, God did not allow him to see death. King James Version says he translated him. The only human being who never died, Hebrews says, is accounted unto man once to die, and after that the judgment. But this man didn't. The descendants of Theph were a righteous, holy race. The descendants of Cain gave no thought to God. They were full of pride of themselves. And so you had the Sethites, the sons of God. You had the Cainites, the sons of men. But in time, the seductive women of Cain's line began to attract the men of Seth's family. And they began to intermarry. And after a time, there was no longer a holy race, shall we say. But every intent and thought of man's heart was unto evil. There was a man who was 480 years old named Noah. Noah was a man who all of his life had been righteous. And when he was at that age, 480 years old, God looking upon humanity said, my spirit shall not always strive with man, but I'll give him another 120 years. His patience, his patience. And after 120 years, came the great flood. But God could have said, those human beings are gone, I'm through with them. But in his great patience, he took that one righteous man who we're told in Hebrews was a preacher of righteousness. So all of his life he must have been proclaiming the righteousness of God. Nobody would listen to him. But he was chosen, his sons, his wife, daughters-in-law, seven pairs of every clean animal and one pair of every unclean animal all entered this ark that God gave him the instructions to build and he built it. And then came the flood and destroyed all of humanity. But in his patience, God said, I'll give it another try. And he started over. He started over with one family, God's patience. And then, as the human race began to grow and grow and have the abilities that God had given them, they began again to be filled with pride. They built a ziggurat, said, we're going to build it all the way to heaven. And God looked down and said, my just nothing in the world that man won't be able to do. And so what did he do? A very interesting thing. 
he suddenly caused a vision by causing different languages. Can you imagine this? Going to bed at night speaking English, and you wake up in the morning, and all of a sudden you're thinking in a language and expressing yourself, language you never heard. <laughs> so you walk out in the street and find somebody, Gespredi Deutsch? Parlez-vous le Francais? Nein, Gespredi Deutsch. Gespredi Deutsch. Lega Helles. Nein, Gespredi Deutsch. Another Gespregni Deutsch. Salagi. Salagi. My goodness. As you stand there bewildered, somebody walks up and says to you, Gespregni Deutsch? Ah, Yaul. And you embrace and walk off together to find others who sprigni Deutsch. <laughs> Language is interesting. As most of you know, I'm a lot Cherokee. And one of the oldest clans of the Cherokee are the Catula. And the Catula have a form of Cherokee which is not exactly like the rest of the Cherokees speak. And the Catula are doing all they can to teach the Catula language to their children. For they say, once we lose our language, we lose our identity. There's something to that, isn't there? But as these different groups then began to gather together, each of the language groups went to different parts of the world, and humanity was divided. But God in his patience didn't say, that's it. <laughs> in his patience he said, We'll keep trying. In time, in Ur of Chaldees, he chose a man named Abram. Hebrews 11 talks of the great faith of this man. That particular place in Ur of Chaldees is an amazing place. They, they, they built huge ziggurats. The remains of many are still there. Archaeologists, for instance, found something one day. What is this? It's, kind of a tub looking thing with a hole in the oh it's a bathtub like we have today that's a very advanced civilization and that's where Abram lived and God called him to go to nowhere's land far to the north and a bit to the west to Haran and then later God said I'm going to take you into a land and every place your foot touches Someday that will belong to your descendants. And so God had launched now the beginning of what was going to be the ultimate expression of his patience, the salvation of humanity on the cross. And so Isaac was born, Jacob was born, from the loins of Jacob came that nation that we came to know and the Bible knows as Israel. This was God's chosen people. But much like the descendants of Seth, some of the men in this nation started to get enticed by the beautiful women of their surrounding cultures and drawn into idolatry. 
worshiping some God other than the true God. And time and again, God had to chastise. The northern tribe carried off into Assyria. Later, the southern tribes of Judah carried off into Babylon. And here's an interesting thing. Idolatry had been a plague upon the nation from the time they got back from Egypt. After the Babylonian captivity, there was never again any idolatry in Israel. God accomplished his purpose, his great patience. He didn't just say horse feathers on you all, you know, <laughs> but patiently, patiently, God kept working for humanity. And then the time came, as Galatians 4 says, in the fullness of time, God brought forth his son, born of a woman. When that happened, there were shepherds in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And though an angel of the Lord appeared unto them, and the glory shone round about them, and they were sore afraid, the angel said, Be not afraid, for there is born unto you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, an animal horse trough. <laughs> I'll tell you, out of that, out of that manger radiated the greatest expression of God's patience that had ever been shown before. And then Calvary. This one who at one time, it's interesting as you read this passage in Philippians, at one time he and God, the Father, were of the same, and he came and took upon himself the form of a man, the form of a slave. But even though he was who he was in the garden, he was going to have to become the very thing that he hated, which was sin. He became sin in our stead. And we see our Lord Jesus on his knees crying out to God, Oh Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. And oh, he cried out after hours of suffering, it is finished. The greatest result of God's patience had just taken place upon that cross. God's patience. Aren't we thankful that God just didn't give up on us? But over and over and over again, his patience said, I'll keep trying. <laughs> we'll keep trying. We now are going to start over and we're going to have a new race. As we noted in our Sunday night seminar in September and October, studying the lesser epistles, that when one is born into the kingdom of God, a new race is created. 
How does that new race begin? By the way, interesting in John, where you read born again, the Greek really says born from above. Now, there are two other passages where it does say born again, but in John, it's always born from above. There's a divine activity that takes place. How does that happen? Well, Paul said in Romans 6, it happens this way. When you come to believe that Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, you confess him as your Savior, and then you are immersed. And in that immersion, that old person that dies is gone. And out of that baptistry, you receive the Holy Spirit, and you now are a part of a new race. It has nothing to do with what language you speak. It has nothing to do with what the color of your skin might be. You are now, as the scripture says, a new ethnos, a new race of people. And because of God's patience, the time will come when there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And this race, this new race, will walk the streets of heaven in love of God, love of one another for eternity. Why? Because of the patience of God. Aren't we thankful for God's patience? Do you know as I began to meditate upon God's patience with the human race, I could not avoid thanking God for the patience he's had with me. You know, y'all see a 93-year-old codger up here, but I've not always been a 93-year-old codger. <laughs> and David, in writing the psalm, said, Oh, God, please do not remember the sins of my youth. <laughs> I pray that. Now, I've never had sex with anybody other than my wife. I've never been drunk. Well, I did get drunk one time. Wesley Klein and I were remodeling a kitchen, and as we were putting Formica down on the countertop, the fumes of the glue got to us, and we went out and fell in the backyard and just laughed a while. So I have been drunk once, <laughs> but not from alcohol. <laughs> but I clearly did not often have a godly attitude when I was growing up. I loved to fight. I didn't care who won. It was just fun. In a parking lot, I'd see a man and woman get out of a car and walk to the store. Beautiful woman. Other men would be focusing on the woman. I was focusing on the man. I believe I can take him. That was just the way I was in those days. And I was a part of a gang of five guys, and frankly, we caused a lot of pain to people sometimes. I thank God that John has said, if we say that we know have, we have no sins, and he's writing to Christians, if we say that we have no sins, we're liars, and the truth is not in us. But God is faithful and just, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and the blood, blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. I have repented. I have repented. And I know that whatever is perfect in me is perfect because God chose to make it so. I'm so thankful for God's patience. Meditate upon that, brother and sister. Look at your own life. Look at your own life. 
Can you say, Lord, please do not remember the sins of my youth? And you know, as the Holy Spirit begins to call to mind these things in your life, and you confess them and repent, the slate's washed clean. It's gone. <laughs> There's no memory of it in God's courtroom. So on this Thanksgiving season, there are so many things to be thankful for. I'm thankful I was born in America and not in a garbage dump in Mexico City. I thank God I came from a very stable home. I thank God I had a wife that was the very desire of my heart. I've had five kids and none of them have run far as I know are mad at me. You know, a whole bunch. <laughs> I have more friends than it's legal to have. I am so blessed. But I must never forget to be thankful for the patience of God with humanity and with me. Father God, we're thankful for your goodness, for your grace. And, O oh Lord, we pray that by your Holy Spirit you may guide us in the path of our life that the words we speak, the meditations of our heart and the words of our mouth might be pleasing in thy sight, O Lord, our God and Redeemer. Our attitudes, our love for one another, our love for you. May the Holy Spirit produce in each of us that, O God, which is pleasing in your sight. Thank you for patiently giving us time to come to that place. Through Jesus, amen.